Okay, here we go. Revelation 16, the bold judgments. And we're going to do the first five today and the next two the next time. Ooh, put on your seatbelts. Revelation is like a roller coaster. It's like a roller coaster. It's tough going up, but then you go flying down. Great going down. And we are, we see that all throughout the book of Revelation. We see judgments, and then we get a glimpse of heaven. Then we see persecution, then we get a glimpse of the rewards of the believers. And we are on our last toughest climb right now. The last toughest climb, chapter 16, the final judgment. Chapter 17 and 18, God's judgment on Babylon, which we'll talk about. The religious political system is going to get slammed. And then hang on because after that, it's all downhill after that. Chapters 19 to 22, we have the second coming and heaven and oh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, wait till we really get there in real life, right? So we're talking about the bowls here. This is not football bowls. This isn't something that everybody's excited about. These are not fun bowls. These bowls are a picture of what was used in the temple for worship. The the bowls are used for worship, but they have the same. They have bowls in heaven too. Remember, earth replica of what's in heaven, and these bowls are used in heaven too. And the angels in heaven are given these bowls to pour out on earth the last half of the tribulation. And remember again, this is a it has a parallel with Exodus and in getting out of Egypt. It's a parallel. Four out of the seven bowls that we're going to look at are have a direct correlation with the Exodus. All seven have some connection, but four are exact, really. And they are they do the same thing that happened in Exodus. There's a punishment of the oppressors of God. The, those who are oppressing God's people are punished, and God's people are liberated, set free, just like the Book of Exodus. We're going to see this at the end of the Book of Revelation here. Okay, let's pray. Father, just pray that your word would speak powerfully, that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and minds. We pray for your mercy and grace, and I pray that if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that this would be the day. Now would be the time. Now would be the day of salvation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read the passage first of all, and then we'll revisit it. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. A third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, once again, my eye. You who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged, for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the God altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given the power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent 
of what they had done. Unbelievable, huh? Except it's easy to believe because look what's happening in our country today. People refuse to repent no matter what the consequences, no matter what's going on. They blame somebody else. They blame Christians. They blame another political party. They blame climate change. They blame uh, you, you name it. They blame. They play the name blame game. Name blame game. They, they play that. But phew, anything except repent and turn to God. We're seeing that very thing happening on, on our country today and worldwide today. All right, so first of all, verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Loud. The Greek word there for loud is actually mega. Mega. Sound familiar? Alright. And it's, it's translated loud here, but, it, but it's, it's really stressing really loud. This is really loud. It's announcing God's wrath after 50 years in the United States, after 50 years of church growth and marketing the church and God loves you. God is just love, only love, all love. Uh, the USA is in for quite a shock when God's wrath is poured out. We don't know this guy. You know, I didn't know God got mad. Yeah, and, and that's what's going to happen in our country and, and, not the, that, that, and uh, worldwide too. But then the bowl, bowl number one is in verse two. Bowl number one, the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and the ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Don't take the mark. Whoo! Uh, it's being set up even now. This whole take a chip or, you know, so that they can check you to see if you've been vaccinated and what's your health condition and, and do you, you know, do you, have you ever, have any, it's just going to progress, progress, progress into some kind of mark of the beast. Don't take the mark, okay? And so it says here, verse 2, that those who have the mark, they're going to have ugly, painful sores. It's going to hit the entire planet. It will make the coronavirus look like nothing, a distant memory. It will be nothing. And we, we see this prophetic parallel to this very thing in the book of Exodus. Exodus 19. And most of you know what I'm already talking about. 19, 8 through 11, where it says... Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on men and animals throughout the land. So they took soot from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses touched, tossed it into the air and festering boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. So we see this parallel here with the boils. Oh, it was horrible. In the in the Septuagint, which is the, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew originally, but the Septuagint, Septuagint, the Greek translation, they use the same exact word for the boils here as is used in, in Revelation chapter 16 for the sores. It's the same word here, okay? Apparently, you can't miss it. God's connected the dots here. And just like in Exodus, God's people are protected. God's people in, in, in uh, Exodus, the Jews were protected. In Revelation, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ are protected. Uh, only the beast worshippers are hit. There's no cure. It's chronic, intense pain. It's a real plague. Not just like the plague that we've seen over the last year that, that barely, really 
serious, but not didn't begin to touch uh, the majority, right? But this thing is going to hit the majority and there will be no cure, no way of stopping it, no vaccine, no matter what they do, nothing's going to stop it. We will see later that they curse God because of this very condition that they're in. We're going to see that. They don't repent. They're still fighting God. Even though this terrible thing is hit, they instead of using this time to repent, they, they turn on God. They're cursing God. It reminds me of the AIDS epidemic that hit us year, some years ago now. And I remember when the AIDS epidemic hit, people at first were in shock and, and then they were desperate for a cure. Why were they so desperate for a cure? And I know many of many people I'm very close to had had AIDS, have AIDS. Uh, you know, people in our church have have it, had it, and uh, so I'm very believe me, very compassionate about this. But what hit me about the the society at large and the people who are getting it, both heterosexual and homosexual people were getting it through sexual sin primarily and dirty needles. That was the primary. There were some kids born with it and all that stuff. But the vast majority, it was because of drug use and sexual sin, sexual sin being the biggest one. Um, it, 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 they were desperate. Why were they so desperate for a cure? Yes, because it was deadly, right? And that's, that's, that was big. But even a deeper reason that I saw up close is they wanted a cure so that there would be no consequences for sin. Because as long as AIDS existed, there was a consequence for sexual sin, both homosexual and heterosexual. And people were afraid, but they also were desperately trying to stop it because of the, the con, what, because it showed there was a consequence for sexual sin. And you would need proof of that. As soon as they came up with a partial cure, there's never been a complete cure, but the partial cure that they could at least live with this disease, they went right back to unsafe sex. Immediately, boom, right back to unsafe sex. Listen, Sin was, sexual sin was never safe. <laughs> that AIDS was a picture of what was happening to them spiritually and eternally. It's killing. Sexual sin kills heterosexual, homosexual, any kind of sexual activity outside of a husband-wife marriage relationship, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, premarital sex, pornography, adultery. It will, it will, it is killing you in every way, shape, and form. And it's going to put you in hell for all eternity if you don't repent. And that's what AIDS was God's grace to show people the effect of their sexual sin. But they fought it tooth and nail, tried to stop it, poured out incredible amounts of money to, to stop it because at the root of it, there was not just the fear of death, they're terrified of death. They, they, they're not following God. They know where they're going deep down. They know they have no hope. But, but also, but they wanted, didn't want there to be a consequence for their sexual sin. They didn't want anybody to be able to say, see, you better stop that. Oh no. And, and as soon as they had the chance, they went right back to their unsafe sex, which is a lie because safe sex, there's no such thing as safe sex. If it's sinful, it's not safe. It's eternal damnation. Now, as Christians, we were and are desperate for cure for a much different reason. We want there to be a physical and then a spiritual cure. We want people's lives to be saved so they can put their faith in Jesus Christ and be cured spiritually. That's why our church, for years, we were part of a big AIDS walk in our town of New Hope. Uh, we just really wanted to see there be a cure and we wanted to show the love of Jesus Christ to those who are suffering with AIDS. And as a result, many people who are HIV positive ended up at our church 
for years and years. Most of them have passed away, uh, but but they were there. For, many were there for a, quite a while and became very very close. Many many of them became Christians, became valued members of our, our church family. But we we were part of that AIDS walk because we hoped that they could find a cure because we hate disease, all disease. But our, we have a very different motivation, not so people could start sinning sexually again, but so that they can or so they can practice safe sex safe sin right no we really hope that they would find jesus christ and live free live free of sexual sin of all sin they would find the ultimate cure by putting their faith in jesus christ and would would have, find eternal life in jesus christ that was our hope and that's why we were involved in it but that's what it reminded me of how the people are cursing god because of their boys they didn't re- boils they didn't repent they they just got angry right Second bowl poured out in verse 3. The second bowl, the second angel poured out the bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead man and every living thing in the sea died. The sea turns to blood. And there's nothing that the climate change cult can do about it. That's right, it's a cult. <laughs> I'm going to say it right now. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about it, uh, cult. Uh, you're not going to be able to stop it. The second trumpet at the second trumpet when we saw earlier one third of the the, the sea turned to blood now at this second bowl we see that the, the entire ocean seas they turn into blood completely and we see the parallel once again in the book of exodus in exodus 7 19 to 21 where it says this is what happened and we're going to be able to connect this very thing to two of the bowls verse Chapter Exodus chapter 7, verse 19. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died. The rivers smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Have you ever been at the ocean when it smells bad because of the algae or some kind of fish? You know, algae, usually it's an algae. It's just horrible smell, right? Or have you ever been at the lake? I grew up near Lake Ontario and sometime when the fish would die, it would just smell so bad at lake, on the lake. You know, have you ever been part of that? Well, multiply that by a zillion and you'll get an idea of what it's going to be like, what it was like in Egypt and what it's going to be like here on the planet Earth. It's going to be unbelievable. The ships will be stranded. The fish will die. The plankton's going to all, will all die and so the oxygen will be depleted. You know, it's going to be hard to breathe on this planet because the the plankton unbelievable the amount of oxygen it supplies is unbelievable the majority and the third bowl completes the the third bowl here com, uh, which we're going to come to next we see the second bowl the third bowl will complete Exodus seven water to blood let's look at what happens with the third bowl in verse four in verse four back to Revelation chapter sixteen verse. Four, where it says, The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. They became blood. See, it completes that parallel in Exodus. Now the, the fresh water has turned to blood. You, we can't live without water, so 
either this must be very close to the end of the tribulation or the effects are temporary like in Egypt. There's, there's a measured time and then it's going to go back to regular water. We're not sure, but imagine the, 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 the disease, the plagues, the water riots, try, you know, trying to find water, the riots that are going to happen over water. And then in verses 5 through 7, we see the angel's response. People are going to be freaking out, cursing God, gnawing their tongue, which you see all that's going to be happening. But let's look at the angelic response, the angelic responsive reading. You know how in churches you have responsive readings? should use this one sometime. I've never heard this used in a church. But this is what the angels in heaven are going to have for a responsive reading. Verse 5 where it says, Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond. Here's the response of reading. Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So we see the angelic response. Why did God give blood with the two different bowls, all this blood? Because they shed the blood of God's people, the blood of God's prophets. They shed that from Abel, from Abel's killing all the way to when the Antichrist is going to massacre the Christians and the Jews. And, and they were, God says, you're bloodthirsty? You're bloodthirsty? Well, here, have all the blood you want. There's going to be blood everywhere. That's all you're going to have if you're bloodthirsty. And God always makes the punishment fit the crime. We know that in our own life, don't we? Discipline for us who are Christians. He makes the discipline fit the sin, what needs to be corrected. But with the judgments, he makes the punishment fit the crime. Think of Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to, he wanted to drown the Jewish boys, kill them all, drown them all. That's what he was doing, throwing them in the Nile, drowning them. And what did God do? He drowned Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, right? Uh, Haman wanted to hang Mordecai and, and exterminate the Jews. So what did God do? God had Haman hung on the very gallows that he himself had built and he exterminated Haman's sons. The punishment always fits the crime. The same is true of my, in our life. God, God, we, I, we see, I've seen many times in my life, in my ministry, people who have attacked me and how God has turned the tables on them. God has turned the tables. That is not karma. That is God's sovereignty and providence and power being showed. If you are being attacked because of your righteousness, not because you've done something wrong, but if we've done, if we're living righteous and we've taken a stand for Jesus Christ, or if you have, if you are acting righteously before God, then just trust God, wait on God, let Him defend you. He will vindicate you, and then we see this here in Revelation. He's going to vindicate His people who have been persecuted and martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. God will vindicate. It doesn't end here. Hey, hey, baby, if it ended here, we'd be pretty, we'd all be looking pretty stupid, wouldn't we, as Christians? No, 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 no. Like, uh, you know, if this is all we have to look for in, in life, you know, I think it was Paul, well, I'm losing it. You know, we're, 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 com we're complete idiots is basically what he said. I'm paraphrasing it. No, no, no. It's going to all be in heaven. That's where it's all going to be finalized. That's where the rewards come. That's where the judgments really come is when God's final word, okay? So let him vindicate you. Bowl number four, verses eight and nine. Bowl number four, where it says, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God 
who had control over these plagues, and they refused to repent and glorify Him. Woo! Wow! Unbelievable! Uh, the sun is going to get... You talk about a scorcher? It's going to get hot. They're going to call on Bill Gates to dim the sun in order to save the planet. Have you been following that story? He's actually coming up with plans to dim the sun to save the planet from global warming. You know, Bill Gates, listen, it won't work, Billy. <laughs> it's not going to work now. It's not going to work in a short time uh, in the in the tribulation. It's not going to work. You're not going to be able to stop this. Uh, we'll go, we'll stop there on Billy uh, Billy Gates. Anyway, the real this is real global warming, not because we won't recycle, but because we won't repent. <laughs> recycling is not going to save the planet. It's repentance is the only thing that's going to save any of us, right? And so God's going to send this global warming not because we won't recycle, but because we won't repent. There's not going to be a hole in the ozone. There's not going to be an ozone. The whole ozone will be gone. <laughs> it's going to be gone, right? And he will scorch the beast worshippers. Have you ever been severely sunburned? Oh, I have been. I remember going to Florida and, and, you know, from when I was in college, going down and getting just burned, not being, not knowing how much hotter the sun was, got just burned, you know. And have you ever really been burnt or even maybe even burned by fire in some way and blistered? You know, it's horrible, right? But the whole earth is going to get this kind of scorch and kind of heat. There will be no relief except for the Christians who are going to have supernatural sunscreen. Supernatural sunscreen. And look at the response. This reminds us of Pharaoh. When Pharaoh was facing all his judgments, the ten plagues, he just kept hard, you know, just kept turning on God. And, and, and this is what it reminds what these, what the people on earth are going to do at this time. Some of them might be alive right now, probably are. Uh, many people we know will be doing this. They're going to curse God. They're, they recognize God's sovereignty. They know He's in control. But instead of repenting and glorifying Him, they curse him. This is what they're going to do. It's a crazy response, but I believe that we are uh, we are going we are seeing this very thing. Uh, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, uh, well, and I'll come back to that in a minute. I believe we're seeing we're seeing this all set up right now. We're seeing this kind of response to God right now. It's happening right now. I believe God has allowed us to go through coronavirus for his purposes. And one of his purposes for the United States, for the whole planet, but especially for the United States, is judgment. I believe that we are being judged as a nation because of our national sin. I did a sermon one year ago, right after coronavirus had just hit, and I said, connect the dots to coronavirus and beyond. Connect the dots to coronavirus and beyond. You can look it up back in the spring uh, on, our, on our website there. But I connected the dots to abortion specifically because we just had listened to the sermon. Chucky Schumer just made these statements about the Supreme Court and abortion and bam, we got hit. Reap the whirlwind. He forgot sowing the, the, sowing the wind. Forgot sowing sin. And, uh, and I made that whole connection to that was part of God's judgment why God was sending this pandemic, especially a pandemic of fear. That's what it really is, a pandemic of fear. It's not a true pandemic yet. It could easily become one very, very soon. I think it's coming. But instead of repenting as a nation, of our abortion and our national sins. What has happened? We have intensified our sin. We have intensified our sin. Look what just happened with, with the president and, and all of his executive orders recently. It's just 
unbelievable. All the executive orders pushing abortion, pushing fetal research. That's taking aborted babies and experimenting on them. Look what just happened. The University of Pittsburgh was uncovered how they're taking aborted five-month-old aborted babies and, and taking their, their hair and grafting them on mice and they're doing all these horrible Nazi experiments. Stuff that Hitler and wouldn't even have thought of. And, uh, and who would have thunk it here, right? And it's just horrible. Horrible, and and yet we we've just increased it. President, our president is, is shoving this stuff down our throats. Executive order after executive order. He, he just did the thing with federal funding of fetal research. That's taking aborted babies and 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 harvesting their body parts and 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 experimenting with them using federal money. It's better off that we don't use let it, even let it happen in our country. But he's using our tax dollars. It's federal. We're all joining in this sin through his his sin. And and it was crazy what he's doing. And thank God there's some uh, bishops standing up to him and, 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 and taking a stand, but far too many are not. Far too many pastors are not. It's just crazy. And let's not even get into the, what the Pope is doing. Nothing. And uh, there's a reason for that. You didn't hear my sermon, Revelation 13. Uh, anyway, we're not going back to that. But it, it's crazy. And so it's, we're intensifying. And then they did the same thing with the COVID vaccine. They want to try to cure the coronavirus and they're going to try to stop it and save everybody. And what do they do? They used abortion technology to create it. They didn't need to do that. There was no need. But they're just so intent on sin and delusion and wickedness and evil. They use abortion technology. They're using the very sin that God is judging to find a cure. Woo! It's crazy. And if you are one of those who are not comfortable taking the vaccine because of the abortion connection, you are attacked for that. Attacked for that. That's right. It's crazy what's out there. The people, the crazy things that people are saying. Here's one that just I just pulled out. Uh, just saw in the news. Uh, it was, the title is shun. Shun those who won't, well, I'm just going to read it. The, the View co-host, Sonny Hostin, says, we need to shun those who refuse to get vaccinated. Refuse to get vaccinated. Did you see that on the, on the View? I hope you don't watch that trash. But anyway, the View co-host, who just happens to be black, why do I say that? You'll see why in just a moment. Not because I'm racist, but because somebody else is racist. Uh, she said that people who refuse to get vaccinated for covid specifically white evangelicals should be shunned from society. You heard it. White evangelicals should be shunned. When you look at the folks that are not getting vaccinated, white evangelicals, 45% say they won't get vaccinated. Why? Because of the abortion technology. Not because we're against the vaccination, uh, but the abortion technology. We just don't want to buy another minute of our life by, by on the back of a, a murdered baby. That's why. So I say we need to shun those who refuse to get vaccinated. She said people who have shown proof of vaccine People should have to show proof of vaccination in order to participate in everyday society, like shopping or travel, much like they're still required to wear a mask. Just like you're required to wear a mask, you should have to be required to show proof of vaccination. Listen, you talk about racism, you talk about bigotry, unbelievable hypocrisy. What if, what if I said that same thing? We, you know, uh, we need to shun black Muslims. 
especially if they don't take the vaccination, we didn't need to shun the black Muslims. Can you imagine someone saying that? That would be racist bigotry. It, it would be. And so is saying we have to shun white evangelicals. Let's not, let's not buy this hypocrisy. Let's, let's be consistent. We shouldn't be racist whether we're red and yellow, black and white. We shouldn't be racist toward anybody else. What is that? You know, unbelievable, unbelievable. Just, it's just, it's just crazy. And it, but it's exposing. It's exposing. And not all black people are saying this. Only about mm, too many, but not all. Uh, I'm not even gonna guess the percentage. Uh, but and and not all black people are racist. But about half of them are, based on you know all the comments coming out here. Not all white people are racist. Maybe half are based on you know history and all, but but there's there are many black people and white people who are not racist, who are not buying the racial bigotry that's being thrown out by the media trying to divide us. We we have something in common, red and yellow, black and white. If we're not racist and we we and we believe in God and we have our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a bond that they cannot break. Don't let them divide us. Don't let them divide us. And so we. We, th- what this shows though, Sonny, is that it, it's exposing the true attitude and the true agenda. In the end, the goal is to cancel Jesus Christ. And I just did a sermon from the book of Acts. If you haven't heard that one yet, the apostles stand up to the cancel culture. Listen to that. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's right there. Bowl number five. Bowl number five. The last one we're going to deal with today. Verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. Wow. Wow. Just when you think it can't get any worse, now we have complete darkness. And just when you think the people's response can't get any worse, complete darkness. First they're scorched and now they're in the dark. It's a supernatural pulse bomb that's going to hit the planet. Once again, we see a very clear example of this in Exodus with the ten plagues. Exodus 10, verse 21, where it says, I can just get the page to turn. 10.21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness will spread over Egypt, darkness that can be felt So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Some people say, oh, the book of Revelation, it's it's, it's just symbolic. It can't be literally fulfilled. It Why? It was literally fulfilled in the Exodus. It's the same stuff. You know, it's just hitting the whole planet instead, ju- instead of just the land of Egypt. God, get, God's got big enough hands to reach the whole planet. You know, the same people who say, "Oh, it can't be literal. It can't be." Literal. Well, you got to ignore Exodus then because it's all there, right? But it, we see what happened is that there's this darkness, but the saints, the Jews, were not affected in the Promised Land. The saints won't be affected in the Book of Revelation. It will be miraculous. Have you ever been in total darkness? They said in Exodus where they said that you could feel the darkness. Have you ever been in total darkness? I remember on the farm we'd build these hay tunnels and straw tunnels and crawl through, and it was pitch black. It was, you, you know, we loved going in there, but I got to tell you, we knew where the turns were and wherever where little traps we set, where, where everything was, but it was crazy. After being there for a while, it was like oppressive almost, you know? You, it was so dark. But that was after only a few minutes it could really start to freak you out. That's actually what they use in interrogations with, with a 
non-torture methods. They, they use sensory deprivation and what they find is someone who's going through this total sensory deprivation, a few minutes seems like a few hours. An hour seems like a day. It, it's torturous, right? Can you imagine this worldwide happening? Can you imagine the worldwide chaos? Think of the New York City brownout. Remember the New York City brownout? And the, you're talking about total depravity, which is what the earth is going to be under by this time, under the Antichrist. Total depravity plus total darkness is going to equal total chaos. That's what it's going to be like. In verse 11, it says that men curse God because of the pains and sores in their darkness. They curse God because of their pains and sores. They chewed their tongues. They chewed, it says that literally they gnawed their tongues. They chewed their tongues and chewed God out. They chewed their tongues and chewed out God. That's what they did during this time. But they wouldn't repent. Listen, do you need proof, besides the Bible's clear teaching on this, do you need proof that there is no second chance after you die? Do you need proof that once you're in hell, you will, there's no second chance to, to repent and turn to God? Because you, you, a lot of people try to teach that, well, there's a purgatory, and, which is completely made up by an apostate pope. Uh, look it up. It's history, church history. Uh, or, or there, you know, or God's just going to give you a second chance, even though the Bible says there is no second chance. Hebrews 9:27, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, there is no second chance. If do you need proof though, besides what the Bible teaches, that there is no second chance, and if, even if it's given, it won't matter. This is it. These people are experiencing hell on earth. Hell on earth. But do they turn to God? Nope. They don't turn to God. Their hearts are completely hardened. Like Pharaoh. Hardened. And, and listen, God did harden Pharaoh's hearts, but it was already hard. God just com- finalize that hardening. It's like when you fire up clay. You have clay there and it's, and you fire it and it hardens. It already was hard. God just finalizes as there's no turning back. You've crossed the line. Listen, we see this with coronavirus. Look at the different responses. The anger that has come out. The rioting protests. The rioting. The cure by any means necessary, no matter what baby needs to die. The lashing out at Christians, uh, the, the lashing out at the Christians and the, what they've done to churches and, and threaten Christians and churches. But repentance is rare. This last year, repentance is very rare. Oh, there's been a lot of anger and lashing out at God and, and His children, but very rare repentance. Um, very rare. What will you do with Jesus Christ today? I'm, I'm asking every one of you, what will you do with Jesus Christ today? What will you do? Think of the two thieves on the cross, one on each side of Jesus. One cursed Jesus and one put his faith in Jesus. Remember me when you, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. One cursing, one put his faith in Jesus Christ. What will you do? I'm always amazed at the difference I see with people who are dying. I've spent a lot of time with people very close to death and there's two different responses. One is they soften and they turn to God and they put their faith in Jesus or they recommit their lives to Jesus. But the 
Good. Half of the other side do not do that. Like the thief on the cross, they get harder and meaner and more belligerent and more angry and turn on God. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I see it with people who have cancer. People who have cancer and, and they get terminal cancer. They know they're going to die and some soften and they use that time that they have left, the months they have left, to, to grow spiritually. But so many others I see get harder and harder than ever turning them alcohol and drugs and bitterness and, 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 and what will you do? We all have terminal terminal cancer. We all have we're all facing death and we're all facing judgment. The whole planet, the whole world is facing that. What will you do? Will you turn to Jesus Christ or will you harden yourself? How is God speaking to you today? Are you one that God is drawing, speaking to your heart? Have you have maybe you've already maybe you have put your faith in Jesus, but you're realizing today you've bought the world's lies. Just some of the stuff we talked about and the deception. You've bought a lot of the world's lies. Repent. Repent. Maybe you're freaking out about what's happening in this world. It seems like the bad guys are winning. They they will for now. The Bible says God's going to allow the bad guys to win for a time to refine and His church to separate the wheat from the weeds, the, the sheep from the goats. There's a lot of fakes and they're being exposed constantly. All, this last year has exposed many, many, many fake Christ, people who said they were Christians. They're fake. But God will win the victory. God will win the victory. And He will vindicate those who truly put their faith in Him. However, like Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, when the Son of Man comes again, will He find faith on the earth? Will we keep our faith and persevere in our faith? Let's pray. As we go this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? How is God speaking to us? Have we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever put your faith in Him? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave His Son Jesus to die on the cross in our place to take our punishment to wash us with His blood if we will put our faith in Jesus to forgive us, put our faith in Jesus to save us, if we will give our life to Jesus so that we can share in His resurrection, get a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Say, God, I, don't, I repent of sin. I turn away from it. Please forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to Him. You might need to rebind that and listen to it ten more times. Keep doing it till you get this. Putting our faith in Jesus Christ. God, I repent of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Him. If you have done that, you no longer have to fear judgment. You no longer have to fear deception. Satan can't deceive you anymore. You no longer have to fear, fear the bold judgments. They're not for you. You're going to be protected. If, if you're either going to be in heaven already by now or, or you're going to be protected here. Either way, we got it covered. God's got us covered. And even if we are persecuted and put to death, we're going to be in heaven. We can't lose. It's a win-win for us as Christians. If you have put your faith in Jesus, let somebody know. Tell your family member. Tell your friends. Tell someone who's a Christian that you know. Email me, nhcc at comcast.net and I'll be excited for you and help you get connected with Christians.
and grow in your faith? For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How have we been, how have we been, how have we bought the world's lies in some way? How do we need to repent of that and, and think like a Christian? Have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. How do we need to trust? How, maybe we've been afraid or, or fearful or upset what's going on. Maybe we've been fretting, but we've just got to trust God. God's in control. Trusting Him. God, please fulfill your purpose in my life. Please glorify yourself in my life and my death. Father, that's our prayer for every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Wild stuff. It's going to get even wilder. Next time, we're going to look at bowls number six and seven. Read ahead. Read ahead. We'll see you next time.